Hey. Hey. What'd you think? About what? Did, did you get my text? Oh. to another episode of Did You Get My Text? I'm Patton Oswalt. And I'm Meredith Salinger. And this is very exciting today, Patton. You know why? Why? Because we're actually recording this in a real live recording studio, not just in our home place where we have microphones. Well, hang on. Oh my God, you're right. I just now noticed that. <laughs> I didn't even pay attention during the drive over here to the studio to actually record it. The best thing is, is that now we're really on the spot. There are five people yeah. in a control booth watching us try to be funny. This is totally like the uh, Eddie Murphy party all the time video when they're watching him from the control booth. Can someone give me like a Rick James, like a little, like a thumb, like nodding your head like the beat is just dropping. Give oh my like, God, he's actually he's. looking he's actually at the it. people in the control booth, forcing them to perform for yes. us. Honey, they're just doing up. their job. They don't. I just look when you and any producer will tell you this when you're there when the artist is in the studio you give them encouragement you you like yes like stuff like that you've seen it in every '80s video where the guy comes in he's recording and the producer over there going oh my god he, that's so movies at one point in the party all the time video it looks like Eddie Murphy makes Rick James come like Ew, when he hits Patton. that when he hits that high note it looks like that's, doesn't it look like he's having an orgasm oh no he's like doing this thing he's like yeah this happened last time you looked at a a video no a picture of a girl trying to put her pants on yeah and she was struggling cuz she's a chubsicle trying to get into tight pants which every but woman the understands the picture they used it looked she, like porn it did not and everyone on Instagram agreed with me okay well my friends didn't <laughs> <laughs> my three friends said that you're gross. No, All they right. didn't. I'm I'm kidding. They love you. Hey, that was a total compliment to both Eddie Murphy and Rick James, that they could be communicating on that level musically. I guess. That they would have that kind of reaction. I think it's beautiful. Was that the Party All the Time video? Yes. Boy, and that I feel song. like you're I feel like you're kink shaming right now. I'm not. If if you orgasm because of someone's high note, don't yuck people's yum. Let <laughs> them have that. I love you. All right. Now, I sent you a text. About? Well, uh... We had this conversation, Pat. I know. Every now and then, you'll be like, I sent you a text, but you send me 3,000 texts a day. Mm -hmm. So when you say I sent you a text, which are you referring to? Did you get the text about the reign of scorpions in the southern uh, uh, Egyptian city of Aswan? You know, I did not get that text, but I saw that article as well. Yes. There was, uh, apparently there were severe... Does that ever bother you that I didn't get your text? Well, I do send you a lot of texts, and you are running our house and our lives like Captain Kirk. Like, you have a million things coming in, so you've got to do, like, text triage of what <laughs> stuff do I look at and what stuff can I look at later. And half, and we've talked about this before, half of my texts are just like, look, it's Debbie Harry in front of this old record store. You're like, I'm trying to get our daughter into a school. Why are you sending me this picture of Lon Chaney getting into his Wolfman makeup? This doesn't help. <laughs> this doesn't help me. So I understand why you don't. You shouldn't be looking at half well, my text. Well, the problem is you'll send so many, and I'll just keep scrolling. I, I'm like, oh, I can look at that later. I can look at that later. Oh, wait, this has to be addressed right this second. Right. And also, I'm like, could you please stop texting me? I'm in the middle of a show or yes. something I'm doing. But then you'll just text me anyway. <laughs> 
Okay, so what did you talk about? Oh, yeah, the scorpion thing. There was a rain, a plague of scorpions has hit the um, uh, southern city uh, in Egypt of Aswan, and apparently there were severe thunderstorms. Yeah, it was like a flood. There was like a huge flood. Flood, and it drove all these um, scorpions. Millions of scorpions. We're trying to escape the flood. Yeah. And we're running into people's homes, um, which in itself, that's kind of sweet. I guess they're trying to protect themselves. However... Three people are dead. Yeah, and because like, and eighty are, are in the hospital. Could right you now. even imagine getting stung by a scorpion? First of all, oh, they're so scary looking. They're so scary looking. But also seeing you're in your house and there's a carpet of scorpions I mean, running I in from die. the outside. I would. Legit. You would. I. I. I think I would die from the disgust of seeing it even before they could sting me. I'd be screaming so crazy loud and also I would try to get like stand up on like a countertop but they could crawl up They can go. They can get you. At least they don't fly. Oh boy. Because a flying creature like that There is an amazing document. Are there flying creatures like that? There must be. Well I mean you know hornets. Well yeah they sting you but like you know, there's no like flying tarantula, which would kill. Like oh, literally, my. I would die. If there were, fl- if, if there are flying tarantulas, I leave the planet. I'm, g- <laughs> I'm done. Shoot me into space, Jeff Bezos. Don't need to bring me back. I mean, a friend of mine invited me to come to Vermont in the summertime, mm-hmm. and I don't want to go because of ticks. Oh yeah, that's right. All the uh, the Lyme disease out there, man. In fact, you are from Virginia. Yep. No, wait. Yes, Virginia. And when we would go play in the woods, we had to come back, and our parents would do. Tick checks, and I've had many a tick dug out of my scalp. Ew, that's disgusting. That's and you gotta, you have to use a flat knife. You can't use tweezers because if you squeeze it, it'll burst. That's okay. and then it'll burst blood into your head. But you know what's gross? It's, it's disgusting. Like you're like monkeys looking at the other person so intensely. Yeah. And flea tick checking them. Yeah. Well, so it, you really need to be close with the person who's doing that. Exactly. So if you're like on a, you know, I don't know, at a college reunion or whatever. Mm-hmm. You got to ask your buddy, hey, man, can hey you man. check my balls? Well, wait a minute. Weren't you just, you were just in Vermont. Yeah, I stayed on the cement. Well, okay. <laughs> I thought the whole point was to go in the beautiful woods. Well, you know, I stayed, I was careful. One time, there's an amazing documentary series uh, called Planet Earth. I don't know if you watched Planet Earth. Beautiful. Uh, and they go to different environments and they, they do the ocean, they do frozen environments, they do forests. And there's an episode called Caves. And they um, they go investigate a uh, this massive cave system, and uh, it's it's the, one of the most extraordinary shots I've ever seen. Where it's this massive underground cave that that, and I'm not exaggerating, goes to the vanishing point. In other words, it has a horizon. That's how huge this cave is. Wow! It just goes on forever. And I, I remember I, it was me. And uh, I'm sorry, Alice and I and Michelle. The reason why he just stopped himself because... <laughs> is because all I do all day long is Alice will come home and she's like, um, Zayna and Clover and me. And I go, Zayna and Clover and I. Right. Or me and Clover. Yeah, I'm always yeah. trying to correct her grammar and she hates it. But anyway, go ahead. Well, so. Alice and Michelle and I. Are, are watching this and Michelle is lying on the couch with her laptop on her Lap. She's like watching it, but also doing research. And there's this shot. So they show all these bats on the ceiling, and then they go. The, the narrator says, and then the the bats support an ecosystem of their own. And they pan down to the floor of this cave. And again, the floor goes on. I saw forever. this. It is a carpet of beetles. Yes, I saw going that going into the horizon. Yes, it's terrifying. And Michelle hated bugs. You hate bugs, but I have never seen somebody so effortlessly like 
she just sat up and left. It, it, <laughs> she sat up the way, if you watch the old silent movie Nosferatu, the way that vampire literally stands up straight out of his coffin, that's how she got off the couch. Oh, was my like, God. Goodbye. And didn't didn't go uck. Didn't, it was just, it was like. She saw it, and she's like, I'm like out. Her body piloted her head out of the room, like, no, we're leaving. And, and she was like, I thought we were, nope, and, out we go. And meanwhile, Alice looks at it and is like, Daddy, can we go to the Spider she Pavilion at the Science Center? The coolest thing. And then I, she wants to do those goddamn tours at the Natural History Museum in You Los guys Angeles. took me, when we first were all got together, you took me to the Science Museum. Was it at Halloween time-ish? For the uh, Haunted Museum. We saw the Haunted Museum, but then there's the Spider Pavilion. Yep. And the one thing I can't stand... Well, I mean, there's millions of things I can't yeah. stand, but I really can't stand spiders. Yes. In fact, did I tell you that story that I did that movie with John Carpenter in Village of the Damned? Did I tell you about how I had to scream? Did I not tell? Did I not? Anyway, no. I did the movie Village of the Damned, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a scene where I'm supposed to some someone comes into my house and I'm supposed to turn around and scream like right. bloody murder. Right. And so they're like, and action, and I turned around and I went. <gasps> And and John Carpenter is like, no, 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 I need you to scream. I'm like, yeah, but I don't really, like, when I'm scared, I kind of just go, <gasps> like that. And he's like, well, what what are you afraid of? And I was like, I don't know, like, I don't know, spiders. And he's like, everyone, let's take a five-minute break. And meanwhile, we were shooting in Inverness, um, Northern California, right. in the woods. Mm. And so everyone took a break, and then we came back. And he had had, he, he's like, and action. And he, I, he's, and I had to turn and look, and he held up a jar of spiders. And I burst out laughing <laughs> because I was like, I'm not scared of spiders in a jar. And so he said, do you want me to throw them at you? And I was like, no, I'll scream. <laughs> and so then I was like, ah! And I, and I actually screamed because he was like, I'll chuck it at you. I'm like, yeah. no. He had now, ha- now the thought, the idea of a jar of spiders flying on you is now in your head. Yeah, he's going to chuck invo- the spiders out of the jar onto me. Well, what about the story about... But the... he sent a PA out yeah. to go collect spiders. Go collect spiders. You know who would have been good at that job? Who? Alice. Yeah. Oh, she would have loved it. She loves spiders. She loves them. And then she had that birthday party with the cockroach. That's cockroach the or something. The hissing cockroach. And she likes that shit. We we did our first spider tour um, the year before I met you at night. They, they have these nighttime tours with flashlights because that's when the um, spiders are really active. It's better to take the go to the spider pavilion at night. But do they drop on you? They can. Right. That's but not al- okay. Although they, you know, they're up in their webs for the most part. But the girl that was giving the tour was so, I thought someone was playing a prank on us. She was out of central casting, spooky goth girl, like spider girl, girl that would be into spiders. Yeah. She looked exactly like I mean, kind of kind of gorgeous in that Barbara Steele. Wednesday Adams way and knew everything about spiders. She, she, but like, of course you're the girl that well, gives remember, the spider wasn't tours. It also Halloween. No, but this was just how she wasn't in a costume. This is just just her. Her look was oh, this is how you I'm look all the time. I'm a spider girl. But didn't a spider help you get a job? Oh my god! Oh my god! Yes, yes. Um, a million years ago. I did, I think it was the only movie Larry David ever directed. Yes. Sour Grapes. Larry David from Curb Your Enthusiasm directed a movie called Sour Grapes, which was very funny. And uh, I was auditioning for a part in it. And so I'm in the room and it's just Larry and one other lady and they're on a couch and I'm in the middle of the room. And I'm in the middle of a scene. 
I think, you know, talking to the lady on the couch. Mm-hmm. And like mid-scene, Larry goes, stop right there. And I was like, uh, okay. And he's like, look at me. And I was like, okay. <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, take two steps forward. And I was like, all right. And he's like, now turn around and look up. And I, there was literally a huge spider coming down from the ceiling, yep. literally about to land on my head. Oh. And he saved my life. <laughs> but, but then didn't you say to him, you turned and said, you have to let me be in the movie now or something like that. Like know. they gave you the part on the spot. Yeah. I think like he she was survived like, a spider. We got to put her in the movie. Yeah. He was like, okay, you've got yeah. it. But um, I don't think I said you have to put me in the movie now. Oh, he was okay. like, oh, fuck. I guess I have to put her in. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, which is great because I met Larry billions of years ago and then um, one of the actresses in the movie happened to be his niece, and then she and I became best friends. Oh. And then I ended up, um, ba- like for years, babysitting Larry's kids. <laughs> wow! I didn't really babysit them. I just thought they were the cutest things in the world, and mm-hmm. so I would go play with them at his house. And they had like a little, like a little Harry Potter um, cave under the stairs that they made into like cute Aww. little, little you know playhouses. Well, thank you, Spider, for uh, for enriching Meredith's life and. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. So, Patton Oswalt. Meredith Salinger. We went to a movie last night. Yes, oh, this I, I wanted to talk about this as well, but yes, go ahead. Well, I didn't want to talk about the movie. I wanted to talk about the drive home. Okay. Well, it wasn't really the drive home that I care about. It was, um, there was a poster that we drove by. A billboard. A billboard right. for a new movie called Passing. Yes. And it stars Ruth Nega and Tessa Thompson. Yes. And basically the movie is um, about how, well, I don't know what it's about, but basically something like these two black girls uh, maybe posed as white women back in the day. Or one is passing or for white and the other one is passing for isn't. white and the other. Yeah. Uh, anyway, something like that. Right. But it made me think of a story that happened a million years ago, and I uh-huh. don't know if I told you this story. No. But... Back in like 1992 or 93 when I had graduated from college, I I was doing all these pilots and I was doing this stuff and um, my manager called and he left a message on my answering machine. Right. And he said, he's laughing. He's like, he, he used to call me Merv. He, I don't know why he called me Merv, <laughs> Merv, but that was my nickname. He's like, Merv. He was like my brother. We were such good mm-hmm. friends. Um. Anyway, he's like laughing on the phone and he's like... <laughs> Murph, you got to call me back. Something hilarious. This is so funny. You got to call me right back. I have an offer for you for something. And I was like, oh, gosh, I wonder what it is. And then literally the next message on the answering machine, which was five minutes later, it's him again. Mm-hmm. And he's like, um, hey, you know, just call me back. It's not that funny. I just uh, just call me back. I, I, I want to talk to you about something. And he sounded really serious. Like, oh, so I called him back. And he was kind of nervous. 
And he's like, so I got an offer for you to go on a talk show with uh, Lisa Bonet and Jasmine Guy talking about how you guys can play white. <laughs> Wait. And so. Wait, what? It was. And I. And I. So then, of course, I'm, I burst out laughing mm-hmm. because clearly he was like thinking that's ridiculous because he knows that I'm white. Mm-hmm. And so he's laughing because. Oh, somebody clearly thinks that I'm mixed or something. Right. And then the second call was like, holy shit, what if she's, what if I just insulted her? And she actually oh, he felt is. That, uh, right, and right. And then he was questioning himself like, wait, is she, is she half black? Right. Like, didn't know. <laughs> he knows my dad. My dad's, <laughs> my dad is like one of those New York Jews who yeah. is super tan. Yes. He also happens to look like Bill Cosby a little bit. And he also wore those sweaters that Bill Cosby used to wear. But he also kind of looks like Jack Guilford. He has that great New York Jewish like he does, look to him. But he could also be black. Mm. Anyway, eh. my manager was so stressed out because right. he thought he insulted me that perhaps <laughs> that I I'm I'm no, I'm just a full-blown white girl, but um right. but he thought, "Oh gosh." And but these people who offered me the show literally thought that I was um part black. You should have gone with it. And just got on the show. And then halfway through, then make like pretend like you're just now realizing, like, oh, I thought you were talking about making the transition from TV to movies. What are you talking about? <laughs> no. What are you talking about? Like, I mean, get really angry and make. Anyway, I was very <laughs> flattered because I think Lisa Bonet and Jasmine Guy are gorgeous, and I'm like, if I have some of that little flavor to me, I'm fucking thrilled. Yeah. Otherwise, Take I'm just it. a boring Jewish girl. Well, there's no. no you're not a boring Jewish. I don't know, but those girls are so gorgeous. Look at Tessa. They are insanely Look at gorgeous. Ru- well, off. I think I think Ruth is playing the. I've only seen the trailer. I think Ruth is playing the woman who is quote unquote passing. Right. You know, it's oh, like she's um, tricking her husband. Yeah, it's like those fifties melodramas, like Pinky, and you know about uh, the uh, people when they, when Hollywood was first stip- putting a little toe in the pool of race relations. Uh, so they're trying to do that now. Ruth is really interesting. She's such an interesting actress. She. Her range is crazy because she was in Preacher, oh, where she she's plays so kind good. of that Southern Texas girl, but she's totally British. Everyone's amazing, and also is ridiculously good looking. Like almost is so beautiful. She's edging into Erie Valley territory, where it, it it's a kind of beautiful where it's almost too beautiful. Sometimes you're like, is you're, that a person? You're weird. No, I'm not. She's she's ridiculously beautiful. Yes, but it doesn't edge into any <clears throat> weird thing. I'm not saying it edges into weirdness. I, I'm saying it's the same way that like sometimes John Hamm edges into a level of handsomeness. Tina Fey had that line about him. He looks like a cartoon of a pilot, <laughs> like one of those drawings of a handsome '50s pilot. We're yes. like, is that a person? Yeah, like he, you know, that's he, what looks he looks like, like he was created. Yes, yeah, and yeah. so do, and so does Ruth. She's gorgeous. she just is gorgeous. She was on. I was on an episode of Agents of Shield with her, and. Um, and, and she just was incredible. Was she like an alien or something? She was a Hydra agent who was trying to um, defect to our side, and I was the one who had to protect her. Wait, can her. I just ask you a question? Mm-hmm. I know this is a series, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Right. And I guess— all... Brace yourselves for a rabbit hole, people. Here we go. <laughs> okay, no, I'm really curious. So, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you guys are all like spy— You guys are all like police people trying to find the aliens. Is it like a Men in Black thing? Kind of. We and, and what and you're like a million people. I'm a series of. Uh, I'm a. I'm a series. I'm a. I'm a series of quints. 
What does that mean? Oh, you're a, a five people. So you really, you're not like a cl- you're not like a weird alien type person. You're actually a quintuplet. I'm actually a quintuplet. Although early in the series, so they you're just were, a regular person. Yes, but they would. I my character would tease the other characters that. I might be an alien, I might be a scroll, or I might be an android. What's a scroll? A scroll are these shape shifting aliens. They were in the Captain Marvel movie. Huh? Oh boy. Um, anyway, so. Uh... Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, the movie. So we went to a movie, and okay, so I talked about the thing I wanted to talk about. What did well, you. Well, I'm going to talk about the movie because I want to tell you a really embarrassing story. Well, this tell is me. Not on the same level uh, as your manager calling you and saying, hey, you and Lisa Bonet, right? Um, Right when uh, I did a series for Comedy Central called Comedians of Comedy, it was me, Brian Posehn, Maria Bamford, Zach Galifianakis. Uh, I get a call from my agent saying, uh, Zach's agent and your agent have been approached about you two going on VH1 Celebrity Fit Club. <gasps> and uh, trying to be, and I was like, wait, what? And they go, yeah, because we, we were both, we're, we're chubby guys. So um, they wanted us to go on. And then... Uh, my uh, for my my initial reaction was well no and they said well you know you only go in you're not you're, you don't go to a it's not like a big brother situation you just go in once a week and you tape and they weigh you and then you do like an hour of like you know fun video stuff where you guys are working out and then the rest of the week you're on your own and we really we actually toyed with the idea for like a minute of eat, getting fatter the whole we time we should yeah we should say yes and go just, in and then during the week just like do yeah, do like it. a De Niro during Raging Bull when he's like just putting <laughs> and every week I'm going I'm and, but then the whole time like I'm doing all the workouts you're giving me and I put on eight pounds but they were like this is so not worth it, it we're, we're doing an Andy level Kaufman style prank for something that, that no one will see and then you're also just ruining your and own we're self. wrecking our health what's the point right okay. but but for a minute we did consider doing that so. Um, anyway, that's hilarious, Patton. Hey, um, I was going to save this for uh, Patton's picks at the end, but I want to talk about this at length because I've been thinking about this all oh, day. Oh, God, you want to talk about something at length? <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't just do a quip? If you were, like, a really, like, sassy 80s sitcom character, you'd go, you want to talk about something at length so we're not going to be talking about your penis? Is that what you're... Uh, <laughs> anyway, last night, Meredith and I got to go see Paul Thomas Anderson's new film, Licorice Pizza. It was cool, man. And, uh, boy, was it good. Uh, it, it is It is about um, teens in the uh, early 70s in the Valley. Um, but what it really... It, it, it gets so many things right. Well, in first terms of all, of... it stars Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, who yes. is a revelation, I think. And it star- stars uh, Alana Haim. From the band From the Haim. band Haim, who is also a friggin' revelation. She's and a revelation. As far as I know, this is her first film. Anyway, it was so cute, too, because her whole family's in the movie. As her family. As her family. Her parents are her parents, and her two sisters are her sisters. And her dad is funny as this cranky old Jewish guy. Yeah, like, it was great. the fuck is this? It's yeah. so good. Anyway... Anyway, wait. Sean Penn is also in it. Well, there's a the and cast Tom is Waits amazing. Is in it. Sean Penn, Tom Waits, Bradley Cooper, Ben Stiller, uh, some very cool. Uh, John C. Riley is hidden in there, very brilliantly. Leonardo DiCaprio's dad. Leonardo DiCaprio's dad, uh, Spielberg's daughter. There's a lot of just family connection stuff going on. DiCaprio's dad's great in his one scene. He's hilarious. Yeah, he's awesome. He's a uh, waterbed salesman. So, um, but what what it really. Uh, Landed. What really landed for me was how just the ongoing casual child endangerment that was growing up in the seventies. <laughs> it so was true. just nonstop. The more I, I mean, I don't really think about it because I'm older now and we're raising our our daughter the way safely. we try. As, as safe. Although, say so here now, here's what I'm stuck on though. 
back then, they thought they were at the cutting edge of safety no, and raising didn't. your kids. Right, the, every parent did. This no, is how you raise not. your kids. You let they them. They never go. even thought about it. They just let the kids do what they want to do. It wasn't like we're on the cutting edge of safety. But I'm saying they would they would scoff at the way kids were raised in the 50s no, they and would 40s. Not. The way Why they were raising kids. That? Because the parents were like we're so much more progressive. We're raising so much more tuned in kids. Um, you know, I, I, again, I, I grew disagree. Up, I grew up around kids whose parents would smoke weed with them because that this is a cooler way to raise kids. I think that letting your kids run around all night was considered... Well, look, when I was but growing up... But they weren't up, thinking that was part of safety. You just said well, it was... It, but they did think it was part of a Whatever. healthy childhood. I remember coming home. This is in the seventies. I was a latchkey kid, at the height of like child abduction and and murderers everywhere. That, that those numbers have decreased, but it was about go outside and do not come back until dinner. Yes, because I'm not going to be a bad parent keeping you inside watching TV. That's bad parenting. Go play. Run outside. Yes. where there's no way I can contact you. Exactly. And when the sun goes down, come back. Correct. That was considered good parenting back then. That okay. It was. Yeah. And it also just but they was... didn't think they were on the cutting edge of safety. So just roll well... that statement back right now. <laughs> just acknowledge that I'm right. Um. Anyway. Ugh. They uh. But but yeah. Just the stuff that kids were allowed to do because the parents just were not. Okay. Great. Attention. And so the movie you're going to talk about the movie. Well, I'm just trying to. Th- uh, what the movie is leading me to a. I, I just look. As far as the movie's concerned, go see it. There's stuff I don't want to talk about in the movie because there are so many genuine surprises. It's a very episodic. It feels like a series of short stories it feels that like connect you're actually, about someone's life. It feels like you're actually back in that time, in that place with those people. Like it's very immersive, I felt like. Oh, it's fantastic. I loved it. But I'm trying to think of all of the insanely dangerous things like that no I just Like no seatbelts? Casually. No seatbelts sitting up front. Yep. Um, cigarette smoke. Everywhere. Yeah. Do you remember non- when there was cigarette smoke on airplanes? Well, do you remember when there was the uh, the non-smoking section of yeah. the airplane, which is such absolute <laughs> bullshit? Yeah. You're in a sealed tube. I know. What is the point? It's crazy. You um, and I are so so stuck in nostalgia <laughs> for the seventies. It's so oh, crazy. No. I'm not stuck in nostalgia. If anything, I'm stuck in fascinated horror at what we the fact that we're alive is kind of miraculous. The stuff that we were allowed to do. The the no safety in toys, the toys we were given. Oh, yeah. Um the toxic paint on everything, the horrible ingredients and in every oh, thing yeah. of food that we ate. Loved it was it. just the sugar cereal, non- the Twinkies. Stop. Um she I sorry, I just posed for a picture. <laughs> Um, the booth, there's a very cute girl in the booth, and, uh, I just looked to my right, very, I caught her in my line of vision. Oh, you're all, you're all about, like, getting the pose ready. I actually need to talk about this. All right, go ahead. I caught her in my line of vision, and she took a picture of me, and I'm leaning forward, and, like, clearly she's getting a fat roll. Oh, see. Just be quiet. And so I turned (laughs) around, I saw her, and I smiled for her, right? Mm -hmm. As you do. Last night, before the movie that we went to see, right. we rushed and we stopped for a quick dinner. Yeah. And I ordered a salad, and uh, clearly at one point you thought I looked cute, and you took out your camera and you took a picture of yeah, me. Yeah, you're eating your salad. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I look cute. Definitely. I was adorable. <laughs> yeah. It was a great shot. However... I'm like mid-chew. You didn't even let me pose. Like, I'm literally chewing. It's a hor... Yes, I look... I happened to look cute that night, and the background was good. 
But the photo itself is mid-chew. Hmm. Why didn't you just, like, say, you look cute and give me a second to, I like... I thought it looked adorable. Ay, ay, ay. I thought it looked adorable. Every picture I take of you is so good. <laughs> And every picture well, you take of me is always terrible. Well, because every picture you take of me, you take five minutes going, no, wait, turn, <laughs> make sure the light hits. Like, it's it's friggin' Kubrick, where I'm like, let's just, I'll grab it. I want life. I want to grab life as it is. Yeah, and then you have, like, these hideous photos of me that I won't let you post and I won't let you do anything with. Well, would you be okay then? I mean, if, you could just if, scroll if, through and enjoy my myself, which is what a photo's for, what if I guess. Someday, it's to catch a memory. What if someday you had a, ch- a chance to be in a... Like a Softy Brothers film or a Sean Baker film. or Look at me for a second. What? I do not mind looking like crap on camera. If there's a character Uh and I'm in that role of character, I don't care if I am whatever, covered in dirt, crying hysterically, look hideous, disgusting. That's the kind of role I like. I don't mean— But in real life, when you take a picture of me— I don't want to look like I'm a character in a movie doing something gross. But I don't mean covered in, like, Alana uh, Haim and uh, um, Seymour Hoffman's son, which oh, I, gosh, I'm blanking that's... on his name. This is, I feel terrible. But um, they are not covered in dirt, but they're also not wearing any makeup. Like, there's zits. Uh, there, there's scenes where they're sweating. Yeah. Like, it's they look movie. the way that people look in the 70s. Yes, in a movie. So you'd be okay doing that? In a movie, I'll, right. I'll look as shitty as possible. I prefer roles like that. I like to be gritty and gross and all those things and on drugs and dying and someone, you right. know. But again, I'm, what I'm saying, they weren't being gritty and gross. They were trying to be as pretty as they could I'm be. I'm not saying they were gritty and gross. I'm saying when you take a picture of me, can you just let me finish the chew? Okay. <laughs> just finish the chew. So you don't want to be ever be seen eating on camera? Can you get this through your head? <laughs> As an actress, I will yeah. literally do anything uh-huh. except be naked. Yeah. And uh, in real life, no, I don't want to look disgusting. Okay. All right. Do you understand the difference? Yeah. Okay. But anyway, this uh, film, it just made me think that how did we survive that era? How did we? How did? How how did more kids not die in the seventies and eighties through sheer benign par- parental neglect? I don't know, man. Just not knowing, you know, skateboards with no with no knee pads, um, bikes with no helm, nothing, nothing. Seatbelts, all the whole thing. Uh, all day music festivals, no bottled water, no hydration, no sunscreen, just. Well, we all have skin cancer now. Pat and Peter Oswalt. Meredith Dawn Salinger. You are currently on a comedian type tour where you go to places and stand up and do comedy. I leave on a Friday. I come home Sunday, but yes. Right. So you. I'm not on the road permanently. That would kill me. Right. It'd be yeah. kind of cool for me. <laughs> but the other day, uh, we were invited to a birthday party for a friend yeah. of ours. And you couldn't go. I know. But I'm really good friends with the girl who threw the birthday party. Right. And she's like, come, you'll know everybody. And the truth of the matter is, <laughs> I usually do know Yes, you do. Everybody. Right. I was in Africa on the equator. Mm-hmm. And I knew someone at the equator. Wow. In fact, I saw John Ritter on the equator in Africa. <laughs> did he trip over it and do a, a funny pratfall? <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> um, his kid and my little brother, I think that's they went to school together. Huh. Anyway, I knew him. And I do. I literally know everybody. I will be on our – anytime I go anywhere, even if there's like a layover in an airport, mm-hmm. I'll see like an old friend or someone. That, what are you doing here? Right. Any party I go to, I I at least know three people. Right. It's kind of a thing with me and my friends. Mm-hmm. We go to a restaurant or a party, and my best friend will be like, let's take a bet. 
how many people do you think you're going to know? And I'm like, at least three. Right. She's like, I think it'll be one today. And it ends up being like seven. Nice. So I went to this party the other day without you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, no, everybody. It's fine. Not a big deal. And I got there. And, of course, I saw my friend who's throwing the party. Mm -hmm. Gave her a huge hug. And I looked around and knew nobody. Wow. Like, nobody. There were so many different age groups of people at this party. And I knew no one. And I was like, oh, God, this is what normal people feel like when they go to a party. (laughs) And it was really awkward. And so, you know, I'm a friendly person and I'm chatty Kathy and I can talk to anyone. And so I did. Yeah. But, you know, my inner soul was kind of like, this is, I'm a little bit anxious. (laughs) A little bit. And, um... And then I saw my, it just so happened, my sister's brother. Oh, no, no, no. Excuse me. (laughs) Nope. Not my sister's brother. Leave it in, Kyle. My my sister's husband. Right. He also knew the girl because they went to college together. Oh. And when I saw him walk in, I was so excited. I screamed as I'm like, Steven! And I screamed super loud. And I see him like looking around like, where's that voice coming from? And I literally screamed, Steven! I also said his last name. And I screamed it super loud. And he finally finds me. And he's like, oh, God. Like, he gave me the look like, Jesus Christ, did you have to scream that loud? Right. (laughs) Huge party. So anyway, he was there. And so I was chatting with him for a while. And we were talking. And... uh, He's, like, in finance. Yeah. And some guy at the party came up to both of us as we were chatting Mm -hmm. and came up to him and uh, was like, hey, Stephen, what do you think? Do you think the market's going to bust? And asked, like, a question like that. Right. And and then proceeded for a half hour to just talk. Literally, like, just go, do you think the market's going to bust? Because I think. And then he just kept going and going and going and going. And I was, like, trying to be polite and like smile Mm -hmm. and nod i knew of i knew not of what they spoke (laughs) yeah it was all finance yeah i don't know anything about that kind of stuff right literally no clue Mm -hmm. so i'm nodding and i'm like trying to think like let them say something interesting that i could make some sort of cute little let's change the subject because i can tell my brother-in-law is also like oi this guy this guy won't shut up he asked me a question and he will not shut up right and so the guy kept going and going, and then he kind of paused for a second, and Stephen said, like, two words, and then the guy went on another 15-minute rant. Yikes. And I'm still there going, I need to get out of this. How do I get yeah, out of this? Yeah. I don't want to be a bitch and leave, not be my right. brother-in-law's wingman, because I could tell he didn't like it either. Yeah. But it was his It was his realm. Yeah, you're not going to contribute anything. I'm not contributing yeah, yeah, yeah. anything. So the guy, so, he's, so then Stephen says, like, five words. And then the guy starts in again, and I'm like, this fucking thing is going to go on for another 15 minutes. I need my out. And I looked at Steven, and I was like, hey, I got to go. And I give him a huge hug and a kiss. I was like, bye. <laughs> and I left. <laughs> you abandoned I, him. I literally was like, the, but the whole time I was just like, how do I get out of this? How do I get out of this? How do I get out of this? And uh, and then it, it just was too much for me. And I was like, oh, I got to go. man. So I left, and then I called him. No, he called me the next morning, and he's like, you abandoned me. I was like, what was I? I didn't know what to do. It was so long. It was boring me to death. You were so boring. That topic is so boring. Literally, nobody else can chime in on a fucking conversation about finance. Right. Well, look, they can, but you have to be the kind of person who knows how to converse with humans, and this guy clearly didn't know yeah, how to no, do that. Yeah, he didn't know. Yeah. He didn't leave an opening for a comment or a question, yeah. nothing. And he and the first thing he came up for was advice. 
And he literally oh. didn't even give him a chance to give advice. Oh, so he asked advice, but then just kept firing stuff at him. Yes. Oh. But then at some point during the party, I did see four of my little actor friends, and I sat with them, and that mm-hmm. was great. When I say little actor friends, they were not little y- actor friends. You sat friends. on a little mushroom together. <laughs> yeah, we all sat on a mushroom, and we talked about it. Smoked a little hookah. It was really cute. <laughs> yeah. And then we were all like, and then, yeah, and then I had to go. But it's hard to go to a party and not know someone. And I had compassion for people who have social anxiety. And, oh, you know, yeah. by the way, you don't particularly like to go to parties sometimes. No. You... I like to hang out with a couple of friends, but a big party to me is because you're always, especially, I just want to talk to someone, but I don't want to talk to a bunch of people and have to keep moving my uh, focus around. It's just, it, it just, it's exhausting. Yeah, I'm good flitting about a party, but I'm, but, but, but only if people are, you know, of, yeah. of the same like conversation ish. I mean, yeah. I can handle a conversation about, with somebody else who has a different topic of interest, you know, a different field of study. I can talk to an accountant if they're normal and like let you speak. Right. Anyway, the, the party was beautiful and it was great hosting and it was amazing. And I kept thinking to myself, I am the worst hostess. I no, wait, what? I don't like hosting because I'm never good at it. So this is something I... Well, you are... Okay, look, you're not great at... Because neither of us really cook, so it's like, i got to go buy some food and lay it out on a platter. But as right. far as making people feel welcome and connecting people, you're amazing well, at that. Well, that's the part I'm good at. But yeah. setting it up to look pretty and putting the food out but is the, not my thing. So listen. I, look, I have been at plenty of parties where the food is wonderfully laid out, but the host or hostess does not know how to get Correct. the party moving. Right. Or, yeah, how to connect people. So you people. have to have both. Yeah. So there are some people who make an amazing layout, but like there's tension in the house and you mm-hmm. feel awkward being there and they're not a good hostess and that. But you and can then, make up for not being a good cook if you just go, I'm just going to have it catered. Like as long as you can. Yeah, but the whole thing, babe, is that you need to set it up to look nice. So listen. So my best friend, Ever Carradine, who is going to be on the show. uh, (laughs) We're bringing her in as a guest. She's hilarious and amazing. Yeah. She is literally like the best hostess ever. And I've said this before. She is pretty amazing. She comes over. She's like, we should have people over at your house and swim. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, I'll bring the flowers. I'll bring the cheese plate. I'll bring this because she knows I can't do it. So the other day. In fact, it was yesterday. I I was talking to her, and I was saying, I really want to throw a dinner party, but I'm not good at this. Could you—I looked at her. I was like, I will pay you $1,000 if you will come to my house and cook and set up the party and make it look pretty. And then I went, and then you can leave. And she was like— at first, she was totally on board. Yeah. Like, she's like, I'll cook. I'll set it up. That's great. And then I was like, and you can leave. And she's like, oh, I'm not invited <laughs> to this dinner party. <laughs> I'm the help. What are you going to do? Make me leave out the back door and hide until your friends come over? And she was so like, and then we burst out laughing. And I was like, what am I saying? You're the only person I'd want at this dinner party anyway. So uh, Exactly. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. Who else would you invite besides ever? I don't know. But She's I li- the only one you want to hang out but with. But I literally was like, could you please come over and do everything and then just leave? And then I- leave. And I'll pay you and you can yeah. just go. <laughs> My friend Todd Glass has a great bit. Todd Glass loves throwing dinner parties. He's really good at both aspects of it. And he does, he's the kind of host where he can make the whole evening fun where he'll do a thing where a random person gets to be the king of the party mm-hmm. and they, he, they do like special things and they get to, like, he just makes the party really, really fun. But he goes, what he cannot stand is when he's throwing a dinner party, and he'll send out an invite saying, dinner party starts at 8, and someone will show up at 
with that attitude of anything I can do to help. And he's and, like, yeah, you can leave. Yeah, because you're not ready Go yet. Go away. And, and also, want... when an invite says 8 p.m., what the host is saying is 8.15. 8.15. Yep. Yeah. Don't... Means I'll be ready at 8. Don't you show up at 8 o'clock. Right. Except if it's your best friend's party, in which case you better be there at 8 so that when the next person comes, there's someone there so you are you don't look like a, f- you know. Yeah, exactly. You don't want that second person feeling awkward. That makes sense. So you have to ask your best friend, get here literally right on time so that all my other guests feel like this is a fun party. Yes. That's a, well, that's a good way to put it. So, yeah. I and just like at our wedding, <laughs> this is really funny, <laughs> at our wedding, I... Well, I had been at a wedding um, a few months before our wedding, and the bride was like, to her best friends, she's like, you bitches better be on the dance floor and dancing (laughs) the entire time. Do not stop. I want this party to be fun, and you're dancing. And so when it was my wedding, I said to her, I'm like, you better stay. She's like, I will be on the dance floor. It it wasn't difficult. Questlove was DJing. I think everybody was on the dance floor. Yeah, that was easy. But my parents got on the dance floor when Questlove started spinning. That's, you, that really says something. They did? They were at the edge, but they were like kind of bopping up and down. Oh, my God. I didn't yeah. even see that. That's the power of Questlove. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something, and I forgot what I was going to say. Talking about hosting parties and Ever and uh, paying her money and sending her away. And she's the <laughs> help. It was a whole Charlotte Bronte situation. Anyway, I've lost my train of thought, but this was a good conversation, Pat. This was fantastic. We'll be right back. Now it's time for Did You Get Our Picks? Yeah, tell you what we like, what we really, really like. Yeah, tell me what you like, what you really, really like. <laughs> hey, let's do, let's do our picks. Um, well, uh, one of the picks we've already talked about in the show, Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza. Go see it. Yeah, super it's fantastic. Cool. Very indie. I know that I'm gonna. I know this is a movie that I will go watch again, probably in a theater because it is so packed with. Very, he loves whipping the camera by um, uh, very dense detail. Scorsese does that a lot. Where he also had a lot of running scenes. Everybody's running in that yeah, movie. Yeah, a lot of running. Um, really good. Uh, everyone got their uh, Fitbit steps in. in I that always film. wonder when there's lots of running, is it all like a steady cam shot? Because I've run in movies. I've ran. I've run. I've run, been running. Ran. Runned? I ran a lot. Did you run? When I did the journey of Natty Gann, every scene was running. More like the journey of Natty Ran. <laughs> <laughs> Get it? Because the last name... Oh, my God. Um, you're so annoying. Anyway, okay. uh, Licorice Pizza, fantastic. Yeah, go see it. Um, books. Uh, a friend of mine, a writer and poet named Bucky Sinister. Bucky. Bucky Sinister. Sinister. Old friend of mine from Dear my gosh. early 90s San Francisco days. Um, has an e-zine that he puts out. You can go to his Twitter feed at Bucky Sinister or his website, BuckySinister.com. It's called Grunt, and it is a e-zine. Um, subscribe to his Patreon. He just writes little um, reviews of books, movies, and and recounts experiences, a lot of which, look, I'm a little partial to this e-zine. It's a short one. You get it one every month. It's called Grunt. Um, and a lot of the stories he covers are the times that we were all, all of us back in, San Francisco in the 90s with me, oh. Brian Posehn, Blaine Capatch. Yeah, your favorite people. All those people. And and just, it, but he really captures, it's it's an ongoing, he's writing an ongoing narrative capturing the early 90s, much in the same way that Paul Thomas Anderson captured uh, the 70s in Licorice Pizza someday. Just well. These e-zines could be 
lash together to form some kind of story or film. Well, let's it's produce beautiful. that shit. It's, money, money, money. Just and kidding. He, but he also, uh, yeah, there's a lot of money in uh, early 90s uh, Gen X nostalgia. You don't know. Um, and he also wrote an, a really amazing book. I believe he self-published this, but it's called Get Up, A 12-Step Guide to Recovery for Misfits, Freaks, and Weirdos. And why this is important is he was a— Recovery from what? Uh, booze and, oh, okay. and drugs. He was a raging alcoholic a raging? because a raging alcoholic because that was the pose. He was very much into Bukowski, very much into Fonte, um, and and Burroughs and all those people, thinking I've got to be fucked up to create. Right. And he, it's an amazing book about recovery for people who would normally think that being in recovery is unhip and not cool or I, I don't want to go share. And, and it's his way how he got through it. And there's a lot of this book. I wish this book had gotten more attention because it would have helped a lot of people that were kind of grabbing onto that whole barfly pose. There's a scene in Barfly where Alice Krieg is talking to Mickey Rourke and she says, you could live, because she's very rich, she goes, you could live in my house and you could get sober and you could write in peace. And then he goes, no writer worth a, no writer who could ever worth a damn could write in peace. And I was like, oh no, that sent, that caused a lot of people to yeah. burn their lives out thinking, that's how I've got to be creative. It's like, no, you can actually get yourself clean and still write amazing stuff. Right. I think a lot out. of musicians go through that. Yes. A lot of them go through that. Um, so there you go. Uh, the Easing Grunt and the book Get Up, A 12-Step Guide to Recovery for Misfits, Freaks, and Weirdos. Um, music. I'm sorry I've been listening to Amy Mann's new album on a loop. I know I recommended it a couple episodes ago. And it's still Queens of the Summer Hotel. It is fan. Fantastic. We listened to it on the way over it's here. So, it was really pretty. It's so beautiful. Her vo- oh my god, her lyrics. And, oh, what was that her... lyric? What was that lyric that she well, said? Well, there was one. Um, uh, the the you're a balloon and the whole world's a pin. Oh my god. Yes. That was so. Yeah. No, and the whole and there's pins all around you or something like that. No, she's you're a balloon and the whole world's a pin. No, because it was more than one pin. Because I because my imagery was like this balloon having to like navigate through these but I think it was this like, maze. She's like every substance of the world is made up of pins, but it's all collectively well, I one. Think when she the said world's it, there to just burst you. And I think you. it was pins, not pin. And by the way, well, I'm gonna listen to it again today. You know what else we're gonna do? <laughs> what we're gonna ask Amy Mann and her uh, incredibly talented husband Michael Penn to be yes. on our show. And she can and, and she guys, can resolve that argument. We are gonna have guests soon. Not all yes. the time. When we feel like it, we are like those kind of fly by the seat of your pants kind of people. Someone we like, we'll bring them in. Yeah. Or maybe someone we hate, Ooh. and we'll just grill them. Yeah. Who we should we... bring in old memory, old enemies that did us wrong. I don't have any enemies. Mm. <gasps> no. What was that? You what don't... you think? Like I have enemies? I mean, everyone's got some enemies, don't they? I. Don't think I do. I have some frenemies. Meanwhile, there's girls listening to this who are like, "I'm your fucking enemy." And you didn't even know it. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, you don't think you have enemies? What about me?" Yeah. In high school, you were blah blah blah. There's a there's a great scene in uh, uh, Gross Point Blank where when John Cusack goes back to his high school reunion and he meets this old bully who is like holding a grudge against him, and then John Cusack has to like calm him down. It's like, do you understand? There's no us. I don't. Remember you? It's not right. like he Aww. can't remember. The, and and the guy and it's this great actor who's been in a bunch of other stuff. He was in Southland. He was in uh, Band of Brothers. He's this amazing actor. And then he he goes, I wrote a poem, and he wants to read his poetry. And it's such an amazing scene where he realizes I've I've held this grudge, and the guy does not has literally never thought of me 
once. I think a lot of people who like attempt to shoot presidents and stuff like that have that mm. thought, or like you know the John Lennon guy who killed John Mark Lennon, David Chapman. All those people, they have this like obsession with someone, yeah. and the other person doesn't even. They they are not even on their radar. Who are you? You don't even. You're no. You. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Oh, it's. Uh, I mean, it's so the, sad. The story about Arthur Bremer, the guy that shot uh, George Wallace and and inspired the movie Taxi Driver. Um, he. Um, what one detail of his story was he left a bag at the airport. Like he was traveling the country. He bought a gun, but then it fell down in between the seat of his car, and he couldn't get to it, so he had to go buy another gun. Then he left a bag at the airport, and they announced his name over the PA, like, we have found your, Arthur Bremer, we found your bag. And he was, for the rest of the day, he was happy because he heard his name over Aww. a public address system. Wow. Which may, again, he's a psychotic killer, but, oh my God, but that is so. And then finally, comic books. Uh, wow, what a great segue. Um a new comic uh, came out a couple weeks ago regarding the matter of Oswald's body. Uh, this is by Christopher Cantwell with art by Luca Casalaguina. Casa I know I'm saying that wrong. And uh, Giada uh, Mar- Marchico. Uh, um, this is basically about the days leading up to the Kennedy assassination. And this is this Whoa. guy's... Wow, we, how do we get on that? How, we, this is wow, a comic, we re- comic book, but, we, but it's a great link from Arthur Bremer. Wow, that's crazy. But um, it's, it's, it's this guy's alternate theory as to what he thinks happened. It's Obviously, it's total bullshit, but it, it's a, it is every conspiracy theorist's dream of, obviously, Oswald is just a patsy. Here's the actual team that they assembled. But the team that he's assembling is so bizarre and so weird Um it's. I've only read the first issue, but the first issue is so fucking good. So I'm. It's great regarding the matter of Oswald's body, because you know one of the big uh, conspiracy theories is uh, the body in that grave in uh, Texas. That is not Oswald's body. He actually lived. He was. There was a double. Everyone there's, there's lived. A million, yeah. There's John a, F. Kennedy Jr. and his wife lived. They're going to be at a, a rally. They with, were. They were. By the way, they were back in uh, Dallas at the concert last night. Whose concert were they at? I don't know if they were at a concert. They gathered and they were all singing. We are. I mean, it's unbelievable how people are so weird. Um, Are those all your picks, babe? Those are my picks, babe. Hey, Patton. Mm -hmm. You know when we do these podcasts and I'm like super, super chatty? Yeah. It's because we never get to speak to each other. That is true. And then I feel like I have lots to say. Good. So this is a really good podcast (laughs) for me. I don't know if you guys listen. Oh my God. Find that it. was the same level of pathos as Arthur Bremer hearing his voice. Over the, I don't get to talk to you. So this podcast is so nice. because It I matters get to... to me. And I get to see you and talk to you because you're a human. And we don't just have to text each we other all day. We talk all the time. We don't. We text. And you know it. Thanks for tuning in to uh, <laughs> the chapter eight of A Crumbling Marriage. Um, we will see you next week. Or, or you will hear us next oh, week. Oh, that's right. You'll hear us next week. Because we are not on video. God dang it. And you are not on video. No. Thus, we will not see you. Exactly. But, hey, guys, thanks for listening. This was super fun. Yeah. See you soon. Again, it's not <laughs> see you. We'll hear, you will hear us soon. This podcast is a production of Meredith Salinger and Patton Oswalt. In association with Starburns Audio. Executive producers are Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. And if you have questions for us, send them to... Hey, did you get my text? At gmail.com. And don't forget, subscribe to this podcast. It's free and it helps us get to keep making the show. Starburns Audio. A podcast. A podcast network.